Hi, and welcome to the August Forum. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'll be sharing the stories of fashion industry professionals, creatives, and entrepreneurs about their journeys and experiences as they advance within this ever-growing industry. The August Forum, as an extension of the shop itself, allows you to have the ability to listen to those in the space. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, trying to break into the fashion industry, or just curious about the ins and outs, we hope these stories will help you achieve your goals. In today's episode, we feature Stefan Madiak, a freelance visual artist with works in murals and NFTs spanning from Madison, Wisconsin to Mexico City. His journey started as a young kid, reading through the newspaper comics, now has blossomed into the visual artist many recognize him as in Madison. Today, we'll discuss Stefan's internal and external experiences that led him to the artist and person we know today. We'll hone in on his work and the progression his work has gone through, not only in his style, but also opportunities. This is the August Forum. Thank you, Stefan, for coming to the studio today. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit here, kind of what you do? Yeah, just get a quick introduction here. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you. My name is Stefan Madiak. I am a visual artist from Madison, Wisconsin, and I've had the great opportunity to paint many murals in the city. And it was really where I found my style. And we can get more into my journey and stuff. But you know, a couple of sentences, that is me. Great way to introduce yourself right away. I have it down as like three words to describe your art style. But in reality, like if you're meeting someone new being like, hey, my name is Stefan. What are the three words kind of how you describe your style here? Yeah, that's a good question. Three words. Definitely like flow, subconscious, or just stream of consciousness line, flow, cartoon. Those would be the three words. <laughs> three great words, honestly. Yeah, so we're going to go into kind of your work here in Madison and almost across the world at this point, you know, your work in Mexico, right? Correct? Yeah, absolutely. So you have a lot of great work here, but where did you kind of get your start? What was the first time that you kind of made a piece of art being like, this is something I want to pursue just as a hobby itself? I definitely remember childhood. I can't say what age, but I want to say elementary school, middle school, realizing that the cartoonists in the Sunday papers get paid to do that. So I've been drawing and making cartoons, my own little characters since then. And it wasn't until I went to art school in Minneapolis. So I went to school at UW for a couple of years and then decided to switch to art school. And when I was there studying animation is when I sort of started to draw on a single line, which is like a common style and a, and a good practice. It's a really fun exercise to get loose. And I just sort of didn't stop doing it. I just kept going. I kept. I started drawing on street art, electrical boxes, making mm-hmm. stickers, stuff like that. So the style that you see in my murals and stuff today started in 2012 or so, mm-hmm. so like 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was in Minneapolis at the Art Institute. So yeah, that was when I was like, oh, okay, I can sort of find my own style and Instagram was developing at that time. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, people sort of do this and you can sell shirts and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then looking at your work, you have a very distinct style in terms of everyone else across the campus. I think when people see your work, especially even at the Sylvie and anything, I mean, I was at the Sylvie last night and I like looked at it and I was like, oh, that's Stefan's work. You have a very distinct art style in comparison to everybody else. How do you keep that confidence that like when you do murals, you look at it all the time, like I'm glad I got to have this certain style that you have? Yeah, it's a good question. I feel like it is always evolving from my perspective, even if it definitely looks the same. 
And Keith Haring was a huge inspiration in his line quality, the way he paints. I saw a YouTube video with him painting and I started painting my wall in Madison in like 2015. That led to the first big outdoor mural I did. And I'm just really grateful that people approach me for that style. I don't have a style where it's sort of like, hey, can you do a guy riding a bike and there's a bird here? It's sort of like people approach me, they want that look. I'm definitely, I've been drawing in other styles as well. And I think that this next year is going to be the time I find a mural where I can sort of do a new style, which I've been working on sort of cultivating that visual language, so to say. But yeah, that confidence comes from the community. It comes from my friends. It comes from people supporting that style, asking for that style, and then just sort of noticing how it grows, so how the features change a little bit, how I plan the process and all of that. Yeah, that's a great answer. You worked at Planet Propaganda for as a 2D animator, correct? Yeah. And how crucial was your time there to be able to develop yourself as an artist? You talked about how you were in Minneapolis, you were in school doing that work, but being able to do that kind of almost as your job, like, what was that like? And can you also talk about like the difference now being almost a freelance worker and also then working for a company? How does that differ in your life? For sure. So yeah, Planet Propaganda is a creative ad agency here in Madison, Wisconsin, and it was where I interned. So I got my my internship out of school there, and they really, really showed me what it's like to talk to clients, to sell something, to make a pitch deck, to make budgets, what do invoices look like. And the bosses there were incredibly supportive. They saw me drawing my zines and making stickers, and they would always just be like, keep doing that, keep doing that. And yeah, it was in that time where I really rooted in Madison. Like I'm from Madison, but I went to school in Minnesota and I was sort of from the west side. So I didn't know the east side. But when I moved back to the east side and started working at Planet, started meeting musicians and artists and just started, you know, selling my work after a music show or drawing at bars and stuff and having people ask me about my art and just talking about it and shit. So Planet really, really taught me that art can be a business and one where you don't have to be a starving artist. They like dispelled that myth. You know, these guys are successful and yeah, it was hugely supportive. And you kind of talk about like being the starving artist. I feel a lot of people, especially even now in our culture, kind of see artists as a way as like, oh, it's kind of tough to get into that world. But you would agree that Planet Propaganda helps you out in that sort of way and being able to give you a career to be able to do this in a, in a way. Is that kind of what you're saying? And I mean, your time there what was like kind of the highlight. What was something that you, I mean, you talked about being a professional in the industry. But what other experiences, what other work did you get to do there that you kind of took out and you're like, damn, I'm so glad I got to do that? 100,000%. I mean, the Duluth Trading Company ads, I don't know if you know those. Oh, yeah, yeah, They're yeah. like the funny 2D cartoons. I got to work on some of those. And I got to meet the animator and learn from the head animator there, Chris Cludy, who's incredibly talented. And Nate Tice used to work there. He did the Jimmy John's ads that were like really low brow, lo-fi, sort of zine culture-esque. And he made this short called Driving on Vimeo, Nate Tice. And that was the most exciting stuff was learning how to animate, learning how to use these programs and uh, yeah, I became the lead animator for a fertilizer company. Uh, I mean, it was sort of in like a one line esque style. So my bosses even were like supported me that much. Where I was running these like one line flowers and weed killer and stuff like that. So 
that was definitely the highlight was learning how to animate and just sort of meeting musicians and artists and creative people. I mean, from my personal experience and when I got to know you, even walking into the studio today, your murals right out on the outside of the office, right on the front desk. But for me, I first saw your work going home to Minnesota. I'm originally from there. So I was taking the bus back first time and you drive by Good Style Shop every time you take the bus there and your mural is right there. Can you talk about that mural and like yeah. how that came to fruition, how you're able to do that? Well, Pete is a good guy and we were just chatting at, I think, what's the bar right right there, Mint Mark. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I had painted a couple murals already and he really trusted me with just sort of coming up with, with something. And I, it was one of the more informal murals I've painted because I knew the business owner and it was just going to, you know, cost the price of renting that lift. And then I gave him a, a pretty good budget range. And it's one of my favorites for sure. Black and white is my favorite, that really large character. I love how it sort of greets people on East Johnson there. So yeah, lots of my murals have just been through knowing business owners like Bonzo, my first one, Aaron and Natalie, just really great people and supported my art after asking me for a a mural as well. The Sylvie, I know Marla and Larry Frank, really good people, good style. All of these places come from just human to human connection, either through knowing them or knowing someone that knows them. So that's how the good style one happened. And Probably my favorite. I was going to say, can you, I was going to ask you if you could rank that, but we can maybe go into the rankings of some of your favorites. But yeah, you talk about like community being such an important thing. And I think Madison itself is a very like community driven city. So you kind of emphasize how knowing people, having those relations with people, have you ever felt like that connection with kind of influences the way you make your art and the way that you kind of transpire your murals? Because I feel like if you look at each mural, you know, it's your work but each of them kind of separates itself as its own. Is that kind of like knowing the people that, is that something that you find as an inspiration for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that the trust there is the inspiration. The people trust me to be free and create in this style. So as I look at these pieces, it reminds me of the mental and emotional state I was in at the time. You know, and those people trusted me to, my style is impromptu. What were the words I used? Like, I don't plan it. The only two murals I planned and projected were Lululemon and Bandit Tacos, which I did last year. But Bonzo and the Sylvie and Good Style and all of these other murals were just sort of, I had a rough idea and I had some colors picked out and then I just went for it. So the relationship definitely inspires that based on sort of them trusting me. It's really special in that way. How much paint do you use i feel like at in each mural how much paint are you using and how dirty do your clothes really get be honest you got to be honest with it i have some painting pants that are just completely (laughs) crusted over i go to ace hardware and i just use regular exterior you know semi-matte house paint and i'll use those big ass buckets a few of them for for each of them and it's really fun. I love getting dirty and, and having my friends help fill in the lines and stuff because it is a totally different process than painting or drawing on a piece of paper. I've never had the opportunity. I've never like done anything like what you do and like being able to see that the time that it takes and kind of the also persistence it takes. Do you ever feel like when you're doing a mural that you kind of feel a little burnt out and like how do you deal with that type of 
maybe like obstacle in the way, especially when you do murals, because it does, it's not like a one day thing and you're like, all right, I'm done. It takes time and takes persistence. How do you kind of deal with that? Well, the part that leads to some fatigue and burnout would definitely be the previous stuff, like the social media and the emails and the budget and the mock-ups and the waiting and, and that kind of stuff. When it's approved and I have my paint and I have my music and I'm in the zone and I'm ready, it is definitely a like spiritual experience where I just connect with what I'm doing. It's very present focused. It's sort of one of those things where if that's what you're doing, you don't think about who's calling you, what else you got to do that day. It's just really in the moment. So afterwards as well, you sort of have to recoup and gather yourself again. But the actual painting part is really fun to get lost in it. It's very much a performance. And I mean, we kind of touched on the professional side of it and how Planet Propaganda helped you out, like get into more of that professional set to be a professional. Is there some things that you still are learning about like as you grow as an artist, like to be a better professional in a way? Or do you feel like you are at a place now where you can email someone and you're like, I know what's going on. I know what we have to do. Let me just make this quick and easy for both parties. Yeah, most definitely. I was just meeting with a friend who was asking me questions about this. He's starting to paint and sell his work and sell some clothing and stuff. And I was showing him like Google Docs of project proposals and project invoices. And if you get a random message on Instagram being like, hey, I love your painting. How much would something like this cost? I pretty much have a copy paste approach here, you know, and learning what boundaries are in terms of like knowing what your price is and letting people know that it's what it is, you know, and other people have paid that. So learning about the professionalness, yeah, it becomes something where you want to have that streamlined so you don't spend hours thinking, oh, what if blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. It's sort of just knowing this is my price. This is how it works. I'll send you some mock-ups or a budget range, that kind of stuff. So getting back more into now, outside of the business side of it, yeah. outside of the professional side of it, your actual like artistic side of it now, your work has taken you across the country. I think you'd agree with that. What has been your favorite project that you've worked on and how do you continue to keep your work different, not only from your past work, but also from others and some other artists that you kind of know in the industry? So my favorite project I've worked on is probably not even a project at all as much as it is recording myself drawing like these time lapses I do or simply just doodling whether it's usually like in the morning or late at night and using that as a form of therapy a way to sort of organize my thoughts organize my emotions I'd say it's not a project but the thing that's true and feels like home each time is just connecting with myself in that way. You know, I've had so many murals and other opportunities and art shows and stuff like that, and they all are significant and have have their meaning. But the thing that's most meaningful for me is just that time where there's no expectation for, oh, is this going to be a fire poster? Is this going to be a t-shirt or a print? It's just just drawing for the sake of drawing. That'd be it. Great answer. Yeah. I mean, we're now in the age of social media, I think. 
people and especially my generation, we've grown up with that, you know, that's been all we've gotten to know. I know you kind of, when you first started posting your work, it was in the age where social media was growing and like Instagram was getting bigger and bigger, but now you're in the full swing of things, you know, we're going to talk about NFTs later and all those, like how that has now become into fruition. But how did you deal with that kind of change? And how do you deal with that type of change in general, you know, with other social media platforms growing and other things really coming into the shape of it? Uh, I don't know how much I'm 31. So I don't know how much younger you are than me. But, you know, mid 20s, I was in art school and Instagram was just sort of starting. Squarespace was just kind of starting. So I think that there's like a lot of benefit to individuate and find your style and have a place where you can share that and sort of figure out your your business lane, right, or whatever, and posts and promoting and selling prints and all of that stuff. And then not everyone knows, but creative people often have the conversation around how it's a double-edged sword. It puts you in a box. You feel like you have to create for this kind of thing. Oh, these kinds of things get a lot of attention and there is like a war of attention, as people say. So you try to make things that will bring you more of that. And that can be really insidious and stifling for an artist. And I think that when you recognize that and you sort of allow that to give what you need it to be, you know, if you if you want to continue making prints that people like and are attracted to and stuff like that, and then allowing yourself to do other stuff and not just doing things for the algorithm, so to speak. Having the opportunity to speak with Stefan, our conversation led differently than I initially thought. Our conversation was one not only filled with experiences, but with conversations of the open character he is. He speaks of his desire and willingness to work with others. He isn't someone who is single-minded, but is someone who opens himself up to others and free flows similarly to his free-flowing single-line style that he has curated. The way he has portrayed himself is someone who you can trust in a single moment. That trust he earns from others grants him those opportunities to work with local stables within Madison and to continue and expand his scope of work. His time at Planet Propaganda and working in a professional setting funneled his talents to gain access to tools and networks to grow his brand and his portfolio. But what separates Stefan from other artists and even other people I've interviewed goes back to his personality. He isn't someone making art to make money and gain a social media platform, but is someone who creates art for the love of art and the therapeutic gain he gets from creating. Stefan separates his art not only with the style, but also separates himself from others by being the single line stream of consciousness. Algorithm, quote, I mean, the quote-unquote algorithm is something that's everyone is kind of encompassed in these days with social media. I think everyone tries to follow the algorithm. Yeah, I mean, that's certain with any sort of art, fashion, music, whatever, everyone has to fit in some sort of category. But you yourself have developed that style way before this algorithm really became a thing. And now you are more rewarded for, and you are now being recognized because of the work you've put in. But talking about being more expansive and kind of growing with society in a way and culture you've brought your work now into nfts Mm -hmm. and more modern forms of art what has that transition been like for you and is that something you want to continue to expand on or is that something you might want to draw back upon now sure yeah i mean the whole nft discussion is perfect to talk about like what we're talking about like how much are you giving your power to social media and how much are you gaining from social media like there needs to be that balance and 
I was, you know, experimenting with taking breaks from social media and noticing how immediately that would affect how I create. Immediately, I would feel more comfortable drawing more of my cartoon style and things that like I knew might not perform well on the algorithm, but I just wanted to create it for the sake of creating like I was talking about earlier. And I also really enjoy the business part. And I think that is an art in itself and just learning how to market and learning how to communicate what your skills are and how how to you know meet other people whether it's here or mexico or wherever wherever i go it's really part of the artistry and yeah the nft world was introduced to me by a friend who owns a breakfast spot in town and i painted a mural for him and then he was all in the nft world and i i knew of it through my buddy f dot eric friedensen who lives out in new york city him and I did a collaboration physical print slash NFT thing and it did well. It went off for auction and was like a really successful first piece. And that was exciting. Obviously, it gives you that fire to make more. And then I sort of moved away from it and focused on school. I'm in grad school right now at Edgewood. And then sort of out of the blue, my buddy Ennis, who owns this pancake cafe, asked me if I would be interested in being an artist for this profile picture NFT project. I didn't know about any of this stuff or like what it means. And I didn't really understand crypto that much. I had like a little bit of money and, you know, Bitcoin, all of that, just because I'm interested in crypto culture and and whatever. And yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if you have more specific questions because it's like a whole, whole weird rabbit hole here. But yeah. We're going to talk about FDOT, their project in my head, that was your guys' collaboration together and kind of how that all came into fruition. I mean, I'm curious as someone that's not really a part of the crypto world or, you know, the NFT world. I mean, it was a huge, like exponential growth at, at one point, you know, every celebrity you could ever think of was making NFTs, any type of NFT you could ever think of was being made. But for you specifically, when you create that and when you, and this kind of goes back to that question of like, how do you separate yourself from others, you know, and getting, you know, being able to stay true to yourself when you make things for NFTs, for, you know, people that want to get into that, is that something that you kind of take into mind of like, there is a lot of people in this space already. How do you kind of think about like, how do you separate yourself in a way? Sure. I think that just by trusting myself and being my own artist and trusting my voice that it will or will not stand out. I guess not being precious and thinking something needs to be perfect or that it needs to look this way or trying to be like this artist is really important when we're having this conversation. And the project that I was involved in, Good Minds, uh, it's called Good Minds NFT. They also just were like, do whatever you want, like make these characters, make these 6,000 drawings, however you want. And it was a really weird, interesting process where like I was designing different layers of the piece and then they use a computer to generate it. And then we sort of go back and curate it. And it was just really fun. Like I look at NFTs, I look at absolutely everything else. It's just a way for me to make art and reach people. Like there's nothing really there's so much special and unique about it about what it means for culture and economics and finances all this shit but like ultimately when it comes to the artist side of it it's just making art you know what i mean like i don't look at it like oh i have to make nft art now or anything it's the same 
thing. Yeah, I never really thought of it like that and how that space operates for an artist such as yourself in comparison to how you hear about it in the news and everything. It's just like the business side of it. Oh, no, like this NFT is falling, this NFT is in the rise, all that stuff. But in terms of the artist side, yeah, it's really about just making art. Yeah. You lived in Mexico City for a bit. You want to talk about how that was, what you were doing down there. And I also know that you did a mural while you were there as well. You want to kind of talk about that project as well and kind of the whole encompassing part of Mexico City. Sure. Yeah, I absolutely love Mexico City. I'm going there in a handful of weeks. I regularly go back there. My sister lives there. So, yeah, it was very much a place of healing and and connectivity for me. I left Planet and I was freelancing for them and went down to Mexico City and would spend a lot of time in a cafe drawing. And then I met the cafe owner and then the cafe owner said, do you want to paint a mural here and make some neon? So that led to that. And then, yeah, there's a lot I could share about Mexico and the people I met and the friends I met. I mean, I stopped drinking alcohol down there and went through like a personal evolution down there. So it's really tied to that for me, as well as like when I moved to a different city I ended up meeting people that lived there and I painted another mural in like the parking lot area. And then I would share stuff and I would just meet people online. They'd ask me for a coffee. I painted some private murals. So it's really about being open, being open to meeting people, open to share your story, being open to being vulnerable or being open to people not liking your art. And that has nothing to do with you. That has everything to do with them and just sort of like being open to sort of meeting folks. That's really what Mexico was was about. That's fucking sick. I mean, I'm going to say that. That's awesome. And hearing how I feel like your entire journey has been you being open to people, open to these opportunities. And clearly that's like the case, not only in Mexico City, even here, like your work's around the town because you are open to people and you are open. To, but someone found you, Dot. He found you yeah. while you were in Mexico City. Yeah. yeah. So you worked with him closely. You even drove to New York to collaborate and yeah. make your guys' like first pieces of work. How important was that relationship to you and how important was that project itself? I just chatted with him this last week and it's his birthday coming up. So everyone go follow Dot and wish him a happy birthday soon. I don't know when this is coming out, but he is like a mirror for me in the creative community. So he saw that cafe mural in Mexico City, sent me an Instagram message, met up with him. You know, we vibed, we kicked it. We were just sort of drawing in my studio. And he was transitioning from also sort of like an agency job to freelance. And then he really doubled down. And now he has a very successful team. He does extremely well with physical stuff, with murals, with corporate stuff. He's worked with like Adidas and Nike and basketball teams, the Bulls and the Cubs, all of this stuff. And he really has that business sense. He really has that community building and the team building stuff. And yeah, he's always been someone that I can talk to about where does the sort of art of business and art of commerce begin and end and how does that affect what we're creating and being able to take that time off and stuff. And we definitely sort of split paths a bit when I went to school and I was going to move to Brooklyn and double down and sort of start got my own studio and stuff. I didn't really feel like the right thing. I kind of wanted to move towards something a little bit more. I want to go to school for psychology or something like that. And then the pandemic happened and I was like, okay, this is a sign that I can sort of slow down and, and get a degree. And and yeah, the art just only expanded from there. Like I thought it was going to like, do I put it on a shelf? That just doesn't work. If you're a creative person, you're always going to be creating. So 
yeah, I think that answers a question about F dot, I guess. Yeah, he, he's he's the best. I love that guy. You you answer that and more. So, I mean, you guys split your own two separate paths, but in both amazing and like successful paths, I'd, I'd say. And you still talk to him to this day. Seems like you guys are still good friends. What are some things that you guys both kind of you said that he you he kind of taught you about e like commerce and e-commerce and how to like do the business side of it a little bit more. Yeah. But what's something that you kind of like when you talk to him like, no, I taught you that one thing though. Like there, this is something I taught you yeah. or like vice versa and something that you guys kind of both appreciate that you guys both learn from each other. Yeah. Well, I think that because I don't have a team and so much attachment to all these things, I can offer him the space to be like, what are you doing just to draw because you fucking like to draw? And he was recently just in Mexico and when our last phone conversation, he was telling me about how meaningful just sort of being somewhere and connecting to other artists and sort of stepping out and just making something. He was working for an artist residency for a hotel and he just made some paintings for just the hotel. And you didn't have to think about how do I market it? How do I take a photo of it? How much do I price it? And all that stuff. So I think I offer him some calm there and also just our like our styles have influenced each other and like i know he's he's shared with me that the flowing line and stuff how he's when he saw me doing that and really how loose i can be and free i can be with it he he always had a similar style but i'd say that we both sort of have influenced each other in that way Stefan has become a staple within madison through his works with murals but his transition to NFTs came naturally as his down-to-earth personality presented him opportunities to work with EFTA on a collaborative project which saw Stefan work in New York and gain the clarity he was looking for. Clarity was a common theme with my conversation with Stefan today. From his time in Mexico City to New York, the clarity he gained allowed him to be in the position he is today. And the community he gained from that is the support many of us need to help us go through our own trials and tribulations. We all want to learn from others, but also giving those we cherish that same knowledge we have is crucial. Sifran provides this notion to those around him as a resource of someone who values what art truly is, an expression of oneself. Now we'll learn about Stefan's new style, which differentiates itself from his established work. But this isn't surprising, as this entire conversation and what seems to be Stefan's entire artistic journey is building upon the internal and external experiences he has lived. In the beginning, we talked about your style a little bit and kind of the free flowing. You said, I think you said bubbly in a way. I have to stream of conscious, stream of conscious. Yeah. Is that something like that comes from your personality in a way? I feel like, I feel like, yeah, you kind of touch on you are a very calm person i think interviewing you has been very calm it's been great i love it but i feel like it's just a very chill and everything like that is that something you kind of embrace with your work and is that something that you continue to do is like when you make art does the way you feel does your personality influence you in that way well i want to say that you're very calming as well <laughs> it's been a very chill space and vibes and the main thing about my style and i I'm happy you asked the question is that it always has served me to get into my body and out of my mind. And I was always been a daydreamer and have a hyperactive mind and was a worrying kid. And I was, you know, perfectionist in many ways. And if anything, if my art's anything, it's imperfect and flawed and doodly and loose. So it's really an antidote to that, you know, left brain 
part of me, which serves me tremendously when it comes to writing emails and budgets and figuring out taxes and shit like that. But then the actual creative part is like, I don't know what's next. I'm just going to do this line, do this line. So it's definitely a part of my personality in that way where I get to just be that more relaxed, calm version. You said how on the creative side of it, you don't know what's going to be next. You're going to do this line, then this line. Even staying on that side of your brain, do you ever get that worry like you don't know what is going to come after this? Maybe like if you did this one project, you don't know what's coming after that. As someone myself who loves knowing what's coming next and kind of having that down to almost a T, does that kind of worry sometimes get to you? Or do you kind of just like go with your art? You just go with the lines, go with the flow, stream of conscious. Is that something your mantra in the way of your own life and how you operate? Well, I definitely worry and I definitely have moments of self-doubt and, oh, what's the next project going to be and what should I do? And I think that's when I sort of lean into just allow myself to trust myself and, yeah, not make plans and just let it flow. Yeah, I wish I had a better answer here, but I think that that's sort of the the beauty of an art style where it's improvised. I feel like maybe other people, you know, have difficulty keeping things organized and are the opposite of that kind of personality that I'm sort of a more organized person. I love my lists. I journal every day. I've been thinking about human experience and how we live our lives and all of these things. My parents are very cognitive and all of that kind of stuff. But someone that's opposite, when they do art, they might want to be hyper real and they might want to be really technical you know, so it's sort of like finding that balance to release that other part of you. So for someone that's, you know, my personality, it really serves to have this kind of style where it's like, well, just flip the page, and start again, you know, or like, it's not about drawing something realistic or, or whatever. So I mean, to stay in your head, in a way, you and I thought you guys created in my head. Perfect yeah, segue. yeah, perfect. You like the segue? Yeah. What was kind of that process like? Can you talk about that project and how you felt maybe rewarded after that and kind of that entire process and everything you guys did there? Yeah. I mean, that was right before the pandemic. So I had just moved back from Mexico City and I had almost made this really big art deal with a gallery down there and absolute wild story that I don't have time to get into now, but like I left and that didn't pan out. And then I was going to do this massive mural for a cruise ship company and that didn't pan out. And of course people only see like what pans out. Right. Mm -hmm. But like stuff wasn't really landing. I was getting some freelance jobs and I just had that sort of gut. I love New York city and I love the hustle and the bustle and the noise. And I was born in San Francisco and I was just like a city baby. And my parents are from a big city in Romania. So New York is just like calming to me and the absolute inspiration of my style. And I was there when I was dating someone in like early college, I went to go visit her and I saw Ray BK, R-A-E-B-K, his work and his stickers and Keith Haring, obviously. And just seeing how it lives with like the chaos of a city like that. So I knew I needed to get out of Madison for a bit and just to do some art. So yeah, I just went on an impromptu drive to New York City and the Mac Miller Circles album was out and I was just replaying it. It's like one of my favorite albums still to this day. And I got to Eric's studio and we just, 
it was like a rainy day and we were just creating and I put on the album and he has a song on there where it's, you know, I spent the whole day in my head and Eric also very can be lost in thought. How do I do this? And similarly with his art, he would tell you if you would want to interview him that it's a way of therapy. It's a way of just getting into your body, into the moment. So yeah, and we talk about that all the time, like what, how social media restricts us, but also has given us the benefit to not need a job, you know? So it is that the, the double-sided coin there. I mean, we're going to slowly start wrapping up, but as maybe someone that's listening to this who wants to not have that job that you kind of said, like being able to do this as your work and stuff like that, what kind of advice do you give to someone who's trying to enter in this industry where sometimes it's not the easiest, you know? Yeah. How do you guide someone in that way? Well, I always encourage people to journal their thoughts and their emotions, no matter what kind of discussion we're having, whether it's about how to break into the design world or how to make it as a muralist or NFTs or any kind of thing. It's just sort of noticing where you're at with your thoughts and your emotions is going to be number one for me personally, just as a human to sort of feel regulated, you know? So that's just that piece of advice, which you can take or, or leave or whatever. But when it comes to being successful with visual art specifically, just create and share it. And don't be precious about it. You don't have to have a perfect looking Instagram with only these kinds of posts. I see a lot of people just sort of wanting to have like nine posts or something like that. And it looks really crisp and clean. And that just wouldn't work for me. Maybe that does work. And I'm not saying this isn't a panacea. Like this is how you do it, right? But for me and for so many, what works is just stay consistent with what brings you joy and do that a lot. And if you're going to be a muralist or if you want to make neon lights or T-shirts, make mock-ups, make it on Photoshop and share it and share it with business owners and draw around your friends and tell your friends why you love to create and find what brings you joy and freedom and don't think about the product as much as what you love to do and then let that become a product somehow. I know that's like <laughs> really zoomed out philosophical. Yeah, it's like you started like so close and you're like, whoa, went yeah. super expansive. Journal. In the start of this episode, you kind of just slightly mentioned this new art style you're trying out here. You want to touch on what that could look like? You're pulling it up right now. So maybe I can give a little insight to listeners since there's no visual process of that. But yeah, I, I would love for you to talk about what that would look like, what your goal even is with that. For sure. So I'm showing Andrew some images. This guy, I call him Steve. It's more going back to my cartooning stuff. So it's not necessarily my one line faces. It's an audio podcast. I'm talking about visuals you can't see. I'm sorry. But it is more just sort of cartoony and very simple lines. Saul Steinberg, if you want to Google the my biggest current inspiration New Yorker cartoonist from the 40s, 50s. He's also Romanian. My parents are immigrants from Romania. He really influenced this style. So I could really imagine that becoming a mural, like with the line going through the guy's chest or something like that. So yeah, I think I posted something on my Instagram too, if, if people want to go see what we're talking about. It's like the blue guy with the hole in his chest. <laughs> Good description of it, honestly. Yeah. So 
get a couple more things, and we're gonna be wrapping up here. You know, you're talking about your mural. You're talking about your new style that you're developing, and really like trying to not really pushing out, but presenting to everybody. Sure. Yeah. What else can people kind of look forward to from you, and what can people expect from Stefan Madiak? This is exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, Rob, who I love, who messaged me, who I know from way back in the, not way back in the day, you know, when he set up his shop and stuff, I just go in and be like, you're cool. You support artists. And then he was like, hey, I'm getting a podcast. And hell yeah, I'd love to be on it. And and now I'm talking about a new thing. So this is how it goes. It's all part of it. What I would love to do is incorporate some words and what I've been learning about therapy. So I'm in a program at Edgewood studying to be a therapist and a counselor. And I'm actually in the process of like interning and working with people and the healing power of creativity and flow and allowing yourself to be in the moment and just sort of pairing images with words. My girlfriend teaches yoga and runs retreats. And I've just sort of noticed the power of how these worlds can blend and merge and sort of this character that I'm working with is like really a fully embodied character. It's not just faces, you know? So yeah, I think that's sort of like a book or animations and stuff like that. I mean, these are things that I've been saying since I was like 12 that like, these are the things. And so really could be anything, but I think that, yeah, I'm going to use this spot to sort of channel a mural in this new style. I can, I can picture it already, you know, and I think it's going to be super fun to branch off like i really want to do my i love this mural too i know this is like so boring we're talking about stuff you can't see but i'm looking at this absolutely fantastic mural here so yeah that's what's next maybe some more words with my drawing well thank you so much stefan for talking with me today giving great insight not only to your work but into kind of your presence in the art world and kind of the way you operate where any last pieces of advice where can the people find you what do you got for me to close this episode off well thank you thanks for for the chat it was super fun people can find me stefan madioc s-t-e-f-a-n-m-a-t-i-o-c on the instagram my website has all the links and all of that and i don't know last pieces of advice is just nothing has to be perfect and it never will be perfect so if you're constricting yourself or just wanting all of these things to be looking shiny for social media, do whatever you do to get out of your head, you know, make an account where it's not your name, if that helps, or don't feel like you need to post it or do that. Just, yeah, <laughs> no, what a, what a bad dribbling on sort of, and that's it. But yeah, no, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. Once again, I'm your host, Andrew, and I want to thank Stefan for taking the time to speak with me today and to Sam Walner for creating the music you heard on today's episode. If you or someone you know wants to establish themselves within the artistic community from physical to now digital art and find a way to grow yourself and your style, share with them this episode. You can find me and the shop on Instagram at Andrew Inamoto and at underscore August Shop. And find August Shop located on 414 State Street, Madison, Wisconsin or on august-shop.com. Once again, thank you for listening to the August Forum.